Let me break down a number of characters that we find in the story because Jesus oftentimes used what we call parables or stories in order to illustrate a complicated heavenly truth for a earthly principle. So in other words, here's something really complicated to get. I'm going to dumb it down so that you and I can get it. All right? And so Jesus used parables. Now, in the time when he's speaking, he's talking to an agricultural uh, community. He's talking to a farming community. These are people that get shepherding. They shepherd sheep. It was a, a common theme, right? And so he uses this illustration in order to connect with them, and each thing represents something, beginning with the sheep. The sheep represent you and I. Now, that sounds sweet, like, oh, right? Like, you just picture Jesus petting his beautiful little white lamb, and you're like, that's so sweet that Jesus calls us sheep, but uh, low-key, He's throwing shade at you because sheep are some of the stupidest animals in the world. And when Jesus says we're sheep, what he's saying is you, you, you simple. Right? You're, kind of, you're kind of simple. You're not that bright. He ain't trying to be mean, but he is honest on this, right? Sheep are so dumb. Think about this. Sheep are so dumb, they can actually drown while drinking water. That's how dumb they are. You know how a shepherd has a shepherd's staff? Part of that, the way they had the hook, is to pull the dumb sheep's head up so it don't drown itself drinking water. Okay? That's how dumb sheep are. Sheep are so dumb that uh, they'll walk staring at the floor, like just doing one of these, until they get completely lost and eaten. <laughs> like they won't pay attention to where they're going. They're just simple, right? They're basic creatures. They'll follow other sheep right off of a cliff. So if another sheep walks off a cliff, the second sheep's not going to be like, oh, I better not do that. He's going to be like, yo, I wonder where Phil went, and walk right off the cliff with him. Yo, if I ever have a sheep, I'm going to name him Phil. That's a dope name for a sheep, by the way. Right? Sheep are so dumb, they won't even run from danger to protect themselves. They'll just, man, <laughs> and get taken out. Sheep are a very, very vulnerable animal. That's why sheep herders have to keep watch over them because they can easily get eaten up by a predator, stolen by a thief, or hurt themselves. And the truth is, although that might sound insulting, it's very much how people are. It's very much how you and I are. Think about it. We can end up drowning in our own sin, not even knowing it's killing us, and do nothing to pull ourselves out of it. We can get lost because we stare at our own issues rather than on what God's trying to lead us to. We end up following people right off the cliff, despite knowing that we shouldn't be doing what they're doing, despite knowing that what is happening is killing ourselves, just because we want to stay cool with them, just because we want to stay friends, we will go off the cliff with them just to maintain relationships. We won't run from danger to save our lives. The Bible says to flee from sexual immorality, and instead of running from it, we run to it. That's how simple you and I are. We're not very complicated creatures when you really break us down. We're basic. We can get easily fooled, and we can get easily conned into doing things that we would regret and actually doing things that would cost us not just our lives, but potentially our souls. And so I love that Jesus just doesn't leave it at that, though, right? Isaiah 53, verse 6 says this, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Listen, all of us at one point or another have strayed away and become vulnerable. 
part of why I felt led to, to talk about sheep, and the leaders can tell you I've been thinking about this for the last several months. Um, as I pray for Excel, I feel like the sheep have scattered. And what I mean by that is uh, I've done youth ministry now going on 12 years, and, and here's something I, I very much understood. It's very hard to get a kid to come back to church after they've missed two, three weeks. If you miss a week, you might come back the next week. If you miss two weeks, it's harder to come back. You miss three weeks, four weeks, it's even harder to come back. So what happens when the entire ministry is gone for nine, ten months? And I kept thinking the sheep are scattered. Right now, we only really have about maybe half, less than half of what we used to have in February and April. What that says to me is the sheep are scattered. Now, it might be for different reasons. Some kids, their parents maybe aren't comfortable yet with them coming. We respect that. But let's be honest, some kids just don't feel like coming back to church. You might not have felt like coming back tonight. And because the sheep are scattered, the shepherd's heart is not to be like, oh, well, I lost a bunch of sheep. But to go out and get those scattered sheep and bring them home. Why? Because the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. That's why uh, we look into when we walk away, when we separate ourselves from the herd, we become vulnerable, and that's where you see the second character in the story step in, our enemies. Now, when he says our enemies, he's not talking about like a foreign country, and he's not talking about another political party, and he's not talking about another ethnicity. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Listen, John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10 so he explained it to them, right? This, he kind of went off. They didn't get the parable, so he broke it down. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. When you stray away from God, oftentimes the enemy will lure you away with the idea of real life. Man, listen, don't follow that whole God stuff. It just it keeps you locked down. You don't get to have fun. You don't get to do anything. You don't get to enjoy yourself. It, it feeds you with this false sense of what life is. But remember what the Bible says, right? What's the whole purpose of the thief? They come to kill to steal, to destroy, and they slowly lure you into that. And God says, I came to give you a satisfying life. Listen, it'll be satisfying. You may not get all the things you think you want, but you don't need all the things you think you want. God is the one who understands exactly what you need, and he's willing and wanting to give that to you. But we need to be careful because when we stray away from the shepherd and we get caught up in our own stuff, and listen, Again, we're dumb. A lot of times it's not like, God, I hate you, I'm walking away. A lot of times in your heart you're like, I love God, but I don't want to read his word. I don't want to pray. I don't want to worship. I don't want to go to church. I don't really think about him, honestly. Unless something bad happens or we're getting ready to eat, God's not even really on my radar. When you're at that point, you're open game to the enemy. I mean, you're an easy target. And slowly but surely, he starts to lure you in. And we've seen this in, in other instances. You ever had a friend who started dating somebody? And at first it was like, whatever. And then slowly they start like cutting you off and cutting your other friends off. And, uh, you know, and then the boyfriend or the girlfriend is bogus to them, but they keep defending that person. And everyone sees it but that individual. 
And you're sitting there like, yo, that person's the devil. Break up with them. You don't know them. You know, you're a hater, blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, wow, they're really stupid. <laughs> but we do the same thing. Except instead of it being just in a relationship, it's with all these other things that the enemy uses. Because he knows what you like. He knows what will entice you. He knows what's going to pull you away from God. See, my money, the reason it was so easily stolen from my wallet was because it was in my pants and my pants weren't on me. Now, if anybody heard this sermon out of context, that would sound really weird. I wasn't near my money. And because I wasn't near my money, it was easy to take my money. When you're not near God, it's easy to take you. When your heart is far from God, when your heart is not next to God's heart, it is easy. It's not even complicated. It is easy to pull you away from God. There are thieves all around us who are trying to steal the truth from us, who are trying to kill us spiritually, and who want to destroy who God intended us to be. And I'm telling you, it's not about being smarter or bigger or even a better Christian. It's about staying close to God. If you can stay close to God, you can get protected from a lot of that. But you have to stay close to the shepherd. Listen, the thief's greatest weapon are lies. He just lies to you slowly and steadily. It's how the first sin entered into the world. You think about Adam and Eve. Listen, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Next verse. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. Duh. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Think about this. Think about the progression of the lie. He didn't start with, you won't die, did he? He started with questioning her faith. Did God really say you can't smoke weed? Did God really say that you got to wait till you're married to have sex? Did God really say you got to go to church to be saved? Like, it's these little subtle things that question what you believe and what you know. And the enemy just, eh, come on, man. Did God really say? And then, and notice, Eve had an answer. She's like, oh, he didn't say that. This is what he said. And then he goes against, he goes, that's not true. And what happens is, same thing to us. He starts off with a subtle thing. Did God really say? And you're like, no, no, the Bible says that. Well, how do you know the Bible's true? How do you know what Pastor Joey's telling you is real? He's just a dude. Bible was written by men. By the way, all books were written by men. It's just, that's how books are written. Um, and we, we, we keep having these little things. And so, slowly but steadily, the enemy steals you away from God. And he puts you in a position. I mean, think about it. Adam and Eve, you had one rule. Just one thing. You could have all the other stuff. Just don't do that one thing. And all the enemy had to do was question God's authority. And it was enough to destroy humanity. Don't let the devil confuse you about what God's truth is. That's why it's important that we know and understand what the Bible says. If you don't know truth, it's easy to fall for a lie. 
That's why we're constantly telling you, read your Bible. Know it for yourself. Don't just believe me because I put it on the screen. How do you know I didn't make up what was on the screen? You got to be willing to read it for yourself. And sometimes the truth is, it's not even the devil. We are our own worst enemies. Listen, James chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. Temptation comes from where? Our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. I was just talking to Pastor Jason. There was a a very, very famous pastor in our country who just recently was fired from his job because he cheated on his wife. And and he put out a statement, and in his statement, he he started by saying, you know what, I didn't take care of myself spiritually. I didn't get the help that I was necessary. I was running on fumes. I wasn't reading. I wasn't praying. I wasn't having my relationship with God. And I eventually made choices that I will regret the rest of my life. He didn't just wake up one day and say, can't wait to cheat on my wife today. It was these little things that added up. Listen, you're not just going to wake up one day and go, God's not real. You're not going to just wake up one day and go, you know what, I know God's real, but I don't care and I don't love him anymore and I don't want to do anything. I don't want anything to do with God. It's these little things. That's why the Bible says if we can look back at that scripture, it starts with a desire, right? Eve looked long enough at that fruit and she started wondering, well, did God really say? And it started enticing her. And the more she entertained that thought, eventually it gave birth to sinful action. She grabbed the apple. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gave birth to death. Death entered into the world because her desire led to an action which led to sin. And don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. If you allow sin to linger in your life, eventually it will lead to action, and that will lead to death. That's why, because we're simple sheep, and because we have an enemy that's actively trying to take us out, God gives us a shepherd, someone bigger, stronger, and more equipped to protect us. The shepherd's job is to lead his sheep. He guides the sheep to food and water. He builds pens For the sheep to stay in so they don't wander off. Which, by the way, the boundaries that God puts in your life, those aren't to restrict you. Those are to protect you. It's not a cage to keep you in. It's a gate to keep those bad things out. When God says, hey, I want you to have these boundaries in your life so that you don't fall into sexual temptation. It's not because he doesn't want you to have fun. It's because he wants to protect you from sin entering into your life and ultimately destroying you. When God says, hey, listen, I I want you to live this way and I want you to act this way, it's not restrictive, it's protective. It's saying, listen, I'm looking out for you because I'm your shepherd. The shepherd protects the sheep from being stolen or attacked by wolves. He has a rod and a staff. The staff, remember, dumb sheep drowning, guiding them to where they need to go. The rod beating anybody that tries to touch my sheep. Listen, I got a gorgeous little baby right now, right? Hopefully I'll bring her one day. You guys can see her and know that I'm telling the truth. She's going to be 11 months uh, in a couple weeks. I already know. You touch her, I'm for sure going to jail. No doubt I'm going to jail. I hope I, I don't. Someone's getting hurt because that's my child. That's mine. Your shepherd protects you. Your shepherd doesn't even think twice about it. The other day, low key, she's trying to walk I was laying on the couch. She was scurrying along. She fell. As she, I'm, not, I'm on my phone doing something. As she fell, I caught her head and gently laid her down. And my wife's like, that was amazing. I'm like, for real, yo? I didn't even think about it. Just like, you're good. <laughs> Your shepherd always looks out for you. 
You just got to stay close enough for that. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 11 through 13, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Listen, as much as you want to look up to people, people aren't Jesus. Your family will fail you. Your pastor will fail you. The leaders in this room will fail you. Your government will fail you. Your teacher, every, every, every person has the potential to fail you because we're just people. We're other sheep. But the Lord is your shepherd. He's the one that will always look out for you, that will always be there with you, that will always respond to you. Jesus is the only one we can trust to truly shepherd us. It's great to have all the other relationships. It's great that you're here and that you trust us and that you trust what we're trying to lead you in. That's awesome. It's great if you got parents that love you and encouraging you and pushing you, teachers that believe you. Those are all bonuses, but they're not Jesus. Everyone else can fail you, but God will never fail you. He is the shepherd that not just will lay down his life, but has laid down his life so that you and I can experience life to the fullest. The question is, are you one of his sheep? Because Jesus differentiates something that not everybody belongs to him. Listen, going on verse 14 through 16, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Not all sheep are God's sheep. Some are still lost, wandering around in this world. Some have walked away and are scattered, open to the enemy's attacks. But God's desire is to bring all sheep into his pen, be his sheep. We reopened today, but also we restarted. We're building something new. I can't worry about what Excel used to be because I need to focus on what Excel is and what it's going to be. You here, by the grace of God and my prayer is, you're going to help me do that because youth ministry isn't youth ministry unless youth are ministering. This is your ministry. This is your opportunity to help Gather the scattered sheep, people who once came here, people who've never been here, but people who need to be a part of the family of God because the shepherd is looking for them. And there's only one way to be one of God's sheep, and that's the last character, is you got to be able to go through his gate. Number four, his gate. Let's go back to John 10, verse 9. He says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and we'll find good pastures. One of the biggest lies you'll hear in this generation and going forward is this idea of universalism, which means all roads eventually lead to God. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter, you know, as long as you're good and you're good peoples and, and nice to other people, eventually you'll, you'll end up to wherever entity there is and whoever God is. So whether you believe in Buddha or Muhammad or Jesus or nothing, as long as you're a good person, you believe in something, that you'll go to heaven. And I need you to understand that that is 100% a lie. 
That is 100% a lie. Listen, John 14, 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, here's the problem with that theory. If there was any other way outside of Jesus, then what you're saying is, Jesus, your sacrifice on the cross was pointless because there was another way we could have did it. That what you did, that, that idea that the shepherd would lay down his life, that means nothing because, after all, there were so many other ways to get to God. And Jesus is saying, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father if not through me. Now, some might think, well, that sounds kind of mean or, or exclusive. No, it's not exclusive unless you exclude people. But God has called us to go into the world, preach the gospel, tell them who Jesus is, and allow them at least the opportunity to say yes to the shepherd. To understand that there is a God in heaven who loves them and has always loved them and wants nothing more than to have a relationship with him. In order to be a part of God's flock, you have to go through Jesus. The thieves are the only ones who try to go around. But God will destroy his enemies and give his life in order to save his sheep. Worship team, if you can help me out. You and I, we have a job to do. And man, I, I, I need you to hear me on this. I think you're one of the coolest generations we've seen yet. I genuinely do. You have gone through more than a lot of other generations have gone through. Right? Some of you were born, what was it 2008? Anybody born before 2000 or after 2008? No? So everyone around. So most of you have been through already a recession. You've been through a few wars. You've been through some, you know, interesting times. Oh, by the way, a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> you know what that does? That makes you incredibly resilient. You're one of the most artistic and technologically savvy people we've ever seen. I mean, my daughter already knows how to rock my phone. She figured out that when you FaceTime, you can move the picture, you can make it bigger. Like, it's amazing. How, how, you're 11 months old. You don't even talk all the way yet. But you know technology? You're born into that. You understand how to navigate things. You understand how to communicate things in 15 seconds or less. You're brilliant. Truly a beautiful group. But what are you going to do with all that brilliance? What are you going to do with all that artistic endeavor? What are you going to do with that incredible brain that God has blessed you with? God has equipped you uniquely to do things none of us have ever seen. The greatest tragedy is wasted talent and wasted gifting. I want to see God use you in incredible ways. And even for those of you who are like, well, I'm not artistic and I'm not smart. And I'm not... Listen, even if all you could do is talk like me, and that's all pretty much I got, I just, I've navigated it really well. That's still amazing. Because each of you is a different part of the body that has a different function that makes this whole thing go round. And I want to believe that there's going to come a point and excel, and I hope I'm still around to see it. Not that I'm dying or anything, but, you know, because I don't know, maybe at that point you might be the youth pastor. But I'm hoping that there comes a point in our church where 
We can't go back to the other building. Pastor, we just don't fit there anymore. We just, we're just, we're too big. And listen to me, I'm not saying that for big sake, of just, well, look at how many people there are. Because we can fill the room, right? I can put a monkey on stage. I got this room packed out. No problem. But it's not about filling the room. It's about filling heaven. And I understand you and I as lost sheep have found something special in Christ. But if we don't understand that now our purpose is to go and find the rest of the sheep that are lost, then we're not really the church. We're just here to entertain. And I'm not that entertaining. I want to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. And in a moment, we're going to take some time to pray for the lost sheep. But I want you to hear this one last verse, and this is probably the most famous verse on the idea of a shepherd, Psalm 23. I'll read you the first six verses. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. By the way, let me pause right there. Go back to that first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Somebody needs to know that during this season because you feel like you're missing out. You feel like pandemic has robbed you from stuff or, or your own life has robbed you. No, no. My Bible says that if I have God, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He lets me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So before we pray for the lost sheep, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. I'm wondering, maybe you're here tonight, and you haven't entered into that gate yet, meaning You've never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'm not asking if you've been to church. Plenty of people have gone to church and will still go to hell. I'm asking, do you want a relationship with Jesus, a personal one-on-one -on -one where you can understand how deeply and truly loved you are by him and you can express your love back? Maybe you've never done that, or maybe if you're honest with yourself, it's not that you've never gone through the gate, you just jumped the fence a long time ago. And it's been a while since you really had a relationship with God. And you've just kind of drifted away over the last several months. Before we pray for everybody else, I want to give you an opportunity to go back through that gate tonight. To say once again, yes to Jesus. And to allow him to be your shepherd so that you can be his sheep. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never made that decision, or I have, but man, I really haven't been living like it, and I want to rededicate my life tonight. No one else is looking around. Don't worry about everybody else. Would you just signal me by lifting up your hand, and I want to pray for you before we pray for everyone else.